0: Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly.
1: Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. Shut up. I'm the human resources director, Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Oh. Hello.
0: Welcome to the hostile work environment. My name is Mark Alifans. I'm here, as always, with Kate Bischoff. Kate, how are you today?
1: Uh, I'm suffering between election anxiety with a sliver of hope, sleeplessness, and way too much sugar.
0: That <laughs> sums it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I we, we got our extra hour of sleep last night, but it doesn't sound like either was made great use of it. And and we are here as we record this. We are about forty eight hours before the election, before election day. I guess uh, a little more than that Mm -hmm. until the polls start closing. Uh, We both thought we were pretty useless today, so we didn't really do a whole lot. And (laughs) and we were going to talk. I was like, let's talk about the election. But by the time most of you hear this, you'll already know kind of what happens at least on Tuesday. (laughs) So so we may not have an answer yet.
1: Yeah, I hope we know I what hope happens.
0: So. I think if we know who wins on Tuesday, uh, it'll it's likely to be uh, Joe Biden. If we don't know, then we still don't know. But I, I don't see a path that's quite as simple to get to Trump winning on election night, which is why he's telling everybody, if if I'm ahead on election night, then that means I win. And I don't care about counting yeah. votes because because that means I win.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand the desire to not count votes. I think that is just silly, but that's me. Uh,
0: I understand the desire. <laughs> if you think that <laughs> hey, counting more votes means you're going to lose, then, then maybe Fair. we shouldn't count more of them. But what I would say in response to that is that's un-American. Mm-hmm. That's anti-democracy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not counting no, all the votes. Come on. There's
1: there's this beautiful thing that we do in other countries when they vote is that everybody gets a purple finger because we know yes. they voted based on the purple finger. And I'm like, why can't we just do that? That'd be really easy. Everybody gets a purple finger for a day, maybe for Mitch McConnell last longer than that. Cause you know, all of those anti but they're, you know, if we had a purple finger, then we wouldn't need voter ID. We wouldn't need any of that. So all craziness.
0: That That's true. I, I, and sometimes the low tech, Solution is the best solution, uh, or you know, I mean, I I still think it's I think it's crazy. I, I was just saying this to a friend the other day. I think it's crazy that we're in 2020 and elections seem less capable of being done appropriately and accurately than they did at any other point in in my life. And I I just think that's nuts. As technology mm-hmm. and systems get better, this should get easier, not harder. And sometimes yes. though the low tech version, right? Like what's a state that we haven't heard anything about my state, because we've been doing 100% <laughs> vote by mail for the last 20 years. And there's no problems with it.
1: Mm,
0: no well, problems with it.
1: I don't so, know if that's an alternative fact or a real fact, but let's go with it. No, for our employers. Yeah, I know. For for employers, <laughs> Thank you. Tuesday is going to be a little bit more challenging if you have employees who are trying to vote on election day. So, you know, there's all different rules about who gets time off. Do you have to pay for the time? All of that kind of stuff. There's m- 10 million legal blogs out there on that stuff for probably for each individual state as well. Not including Oregon, since you vote by mail. But those that do have in-person voting, that is going to be a key consideration. Hopefully everybody's looked that up for today, which is happens to be sunday but hopefully
0: everybody will look that up in advance look look it up know the rules but i would i would urge as as hr folks that listen to this be kind yeah allow people to vote whatever the rules happen to be Mm -hmm. be kind and allow people to vote if if that's what needs to happen if that's what they want to do obviously (laughs) allow them to do so and give them the time and space to do that
1: Right. And also don't be those employers, what we heard anecdotal evidence out there, of you have to vote this way, otherwise you'll lose your job or whatever. Don't do that either.
0: No. Yeah. Oh yeah. That big no, no. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that.
1: Yeah. Uh, strong, yes. not <laughs> <laughs> strong,
0: not recommend.
1: Strong, not recommend. Yes.
0: Right. I, I, the, uh, the other thing I'd add to that is, is Tuesday is going to be a big day for that though. Maybe less so than in past years, since, you know, I think we're hitting about 100 million people having early voted as of today. So so hopefully mm-hmm. that eases some of that pressure. What I want to make sure people are also, HR is also just thinking about is Wednesday because we're all <laughs> going to be up. So many of us will be up late on Tuesday night. So late uh, and, and one way or another, if Biden wins, there will be, and I'm guessing more, the the, the, the majority of individuals listening to my voice right now will be in the plus column on that but there are there will be a substantial percentage of the, the country that is not okay with it right so there yeah. could be a lot of whatever the result or non-result happens to be that night you're going to have tired employees you're going to have you're going to have folks that are either angry or exuberant or any sort of thing mm-hmm. and it could lead to all sorts of different kind of workplace uh, strife that day so just be ready and prepared for that uh, i worry mm-hmm. about that a little bit i also Worry about the sanity of all the people who have tried to send me invites for meetings at eight a.m. on Wednesday. What the hell is wrong with you?
1: (laughs) I took Wednesday. I blocked it entirely off of my calendar. I'm on Tuesday. I'm full monitoring for eight six six our vote, and Wednesday it's, it's it's blocked. So. No, no yeah, no, I, to I don't
0: quite have that luxury with my with my largest client. So I do have I may have some stuff going on that morning and I am not happy about it, people. <laughs> but I guess I guess the work goes on regardless of what happens on Tuesday.
1: Right, right. So, okay, So let's talk about so let's go through the what ifs on the various topics. So we'll talk we'll talk about the biggest employment law ones. So probably one of yeah, the biggest this is our little though, bit of
0: prognosticating.
1: Yeah. It, let, let's start with the one that is a really big issue, but affects only 2% of Americans, which is minimum wage. Do you have a prediction that way, sir?
0: Yes. Let's talk about that. Though, I, I want to put one more condition on our predictions here, which is this is if <laughs> Biden wins and the Democrats take the Senate. If, if the Democrats True. don't take the Senate. Most of Biden's most of these things that we're talking about here could be dead on arrival. So so it doesn't mean all of them. It doesn't mean there's not some middle ground. But I think that that it's more likely that the things we're talking about will happen if that if both of those conditions are met.
1: Yes. So if Biden wins, what happens to the minimum wage?
0: It more likely goes up. Uh, the minimum yes. wage has been sitting stagnant since 2009, and it's at 725 an hour. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. crazy that it hasn't gone up. And, and you have Republicans to thank for that. I will be unabashed in saying. And <laughs> while many states have gone above that, uh, mm-hmm. me, uh, most states, in fact, there are, is still a push for a federal, minimum wage to raise that wage. Uh, and I think the the big push is the fight for fifteen, right? And yeah. so I think I think that a Biden administration uh, and a democratic Senate, and and I think we're assuming that the Democrats retain control of the House of Representatives, would push for something close to fifteen, if not fifteen itself. And I think mm-hmm. that that would be a reasonable expectation from this administration. Republicans will scream foul. Uh, saying that you're trying to hurt jobs, that people will get laid off. Uh, The jurisdictions that have gone up into that echelon, there is no evidence to suggest that employers start cutting jobs once they start paying their low-wage employees a bit more. So I think that's a bunch of hooey. And uh, I I, I think that this is a likely thing that we would see uh, to happen in, in the first year or two of a Biden administration.
1: Yes, the Trump has not come out against an increase in the minimum wage. In fact, he, he has said that he wants to go even higher. But if he is the president, that won't happen. I think that's a political no way. bone, but n- no real change there. Okay, how about, about...
0: I was going to ask okay, you. You what go, ab- you go. Yeah, what about affirmative action?
1: Okay, so I'm going to claim victory on this one already. Because when Trump won, I said there will be no more affirmative action. And one of the first moves in his budget was to eliminate the OFCCP and bring it under the EEOC at the time. Since that time, the only real severe headline-grabbing cases from the OFCCP on affirmative action have been, like, they're so tiny. There's been... There's
0: almost no enforcement going on.
1: Right, at no enforcement. And then the Department of Justice has been assisting cases where white plaintiffs are alleging that they have been discriminated against based on affirmative action programs at places like Yale and Harvard. So there's been a real move by the Trump administration to get rid of the forms of refer- affirmative action that do exist in the moment of time. A Biden administration with the Democratic Senate, affirmative action is alive and well and will be enforced. We'll see a a huge increase in investigations. We'll see uh, rigorous, possibly changes to the regs to make affirmative action more meaningful because obviously as a program, it has not done as much as it was designed to do. So I foresee a Department of Labor taking a relook and then making significant strides there.
0: Yeah, I I think this may be just putting things back to the way they were at some level, (laughs) but um, I think that that would be highly likely in a Biden administration. I completely agree.
1: Okay, what about labor and my favorite case, Weingarten? Do you have an opinion about what might happen with Weingarten?
0: Yeah. So let's just First, remind everybody. It. Yeah. Yeah. So Garden uh, is a case that, that that said that in in, in a union workforce, that uh, if you are being investigated for something, for example, that you are entitled to have labor representation there during the interview.
1: If, uh, if the, the interview could result in discipline.
0: Yes. Yes. If the interview could result in discipline, uh, it has to be affirmatively asked for, but uh, it's, and it's built into most uh most labor contracts that those rights exist or many of them uh the question around wine garden rights that's been an interesting political hot potato though over the last several administrations is whether those rights apply to non-union workforces and as you might predict uh the democrats in office when the democrats are in office and and labor we've talked about this before on the podcast right that mm-hmm. that labor is one of those areas and i still i'm not sure i have a really good handle on why exactly <laughs> it's one of those areas that the law just changes. The regulations just, just willy nilly, almost change back and forth depending on. on on which party has control of the White House. And so, so wine garden rights are one of those things. And so, uh, the Clinton administration, if I recall, originally expanded wine garden rights to apply to non union workforces. I think mm-hmm. after a while, George W. Bush put it back to say, no, these rights don't apply. Uh, And now I guess I guess it's been that way for a while. I don't know that. Mm -hmm. Did Obama put it back? He didn't put it.
1: I don't think so. I don't think I I saw. I don't
0: think I remember that. Uh, So I guess the question would be, is that back on the table to put it back to the way that the Clinton Clinton years were to put wine garden rights in non-labor workforces and other labor labor? uh, So like another question, you know, as an investigator, you and I both know that there's issues around when you're talking to non-supervisory employees. Uh, whether you can tell them to keep the interview confidential or not, as an example. Mm -hmm. And that that shifted from from the Obama uh, interpretation to the Trump uh, interpretation from saying, saying, no, you can't tell those individuals they must keep this confidential to. Yeah, no, it's okay. And I wonder Mm -hmm. if we'd see that go back again. And I think that that is uh, I think that's even more likely than Weingarten going back. But I'd say that there's a good chance that both of them flip back again in a Biden administration.
1: And the other one that was likely to flip from a labor law perspective is Purple Communications. Um, That one will switch back again. Purple Communications is the case where if you have the personal email addresses of individuals, you have one, you have to turn those over, but you also get to let unions use your email systems to communicate. So um, that was quickly turned off by a Trump NLRB, and I suspect that that will get flipped quite quickly. Maybe we'll get Harry Johnson back. Who knows as a labor man?
0: Uh, Maybe. He's got
1: the best name. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. I remember that. (laughs) Oh, man.
1: As someone who has attended the ABA LEL conferences a couple of times, the Dick Griffith and Harry Johnson show was really quite something to see. And I'm hoping that, you know, maybe we get that kind of dynamic back. Who knows? That would be
0: fun. That would mm-hmm. be a lot of fun. Um, on, while we're on the labor front, it's a little bit of a side issue, but Department of Labor. Uh-huh. What do you think in terms of who's going to run the Department of Labor? I hear that our friend, the senator from Vermont, is making a play for it. What do you think?
1: So I think there's going to be pressure to include Bernie as a possible Department of Labor secretary. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily politically wise, depending on where the Senate sits. So if the Senate is, you know, 51-49, then you can't lose, even for six months, Bernie in that seat with the Republican governor in Vermont being able to interimly point a Republican until that se- or special election is held. So I don't know if that's a risk worth taking, especially since The first two years of any administration is where the biggest focus and the most likely time of change will exist before that next set of midterms. So I don't know if if that even in that six months, it's worth the risk. However, a Bernie Department of Labor would be a force to be reckoned with if you were, you know, an employer association, because I would expect even if we don't get Bernie, uh, that we see a great deal of regulation shifts, including exemption status, that we'll see huge amount of enforcement changes and prioritization. I'm not sure uh, an agency like the EEOC that has done great strides to trying to get more conciliation and the Department of Labor's regulations about things like what is the regular rate of pay I don't know mm-hmm. if those regulations necessarily changed because they were seen as just really clarifying things. But I do anticipate a new Department of Labor would have a significant amount of changes in the wings.
0: Yeah, no question. No, no, no matter who is, it would be a, a labor secretary under a new administration, it, it would push, push labor to the left, no question, and, and mm-hmm. be more supportive of employees and the labor movement. Uh, I think Bernie may be a political hot potato for Biden to try to figure out in that role, and um, may m- may cause people to be wor- more worried about the socialism kind of uh, moniker that's mm-hmm. been put on the Democrats. Uh, that you know, uh, I wonder if that's not. I wonder if Biden would be looking for something a little more politically uh, uniting uh, than a Bernie yeah. in that role. Not that, again. That's not saying I wouldn't. I wouldn't personally be okay with it uh but i just i i want i i don't know i'm a little skeptical i
1: i whenever my clients get a note or get a letter or are working about the department of labor you know i'm co- telling them you know their first goal is to get to compliance and so it this is not necessarily going to be something to come down as punitive i think yeah. bernie as the head of the department of labor i think it feels more punitive just because of his position on the scale of left ideology. So I right. think there, if the message really is uniting the country and bringing things together, I think part of that needs to be who do you put in that role? So.
0: Agreed, agreed. Uh, what, okay. what, what's next on our list? Um,
1: How about paid leave? What's going to happen with paid leave, sir?
0: I would not be surprised to see some expansion of paid leave, some paid FMLA, some paid, you know, just I think we've been seeing states and 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 municipal jurisdictions passing their own paid leave or or sick leave statutes. Uh, I'm not really sure exactly what form or in what level that would come out. But I Mm -hmm. I certainly think that uh, with uh, Biden president and and Democratic, you know, all of Congress. I certainly think there's going to be a push for it and something of uh, along that those lines would come out from it. How you pay for it is a big question. Uh, uh-huh. all, you know, there's, there's all sorts of, you know, but, but, you know, I think certain jurisdictions have done a good job of figuring that out. And uh, I think yeah. it's, it's not unlikely that they'll, they'll make a push for that.
1: Well, and Families First Coronavirus Response Act really has given us a good taste of yes. what that could look like, right? Yeah. Like, is it, We know that it's working. There's a study that shows that it's reduced cases by up to 400 some a day. So that's Mm -hmm. huge. Um, And we haven't necessarily seen the financial burden be used as much as the wedge from employers. Now that doesn't apply to employers who have more than 500 employees, but they've already generally had some form of paid sick leave from a recruitment and retention tool piece. So I anticipate we're going to see something like, the coronavirus as a framework be pushed as what the national policy will be. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I uh I strongly suspect something like that will happen. Uh what what kinds of um immigration changes would you see on the horizon in a Biden administration?
1: So in a Biden administration, we will we what we have seen from the Trump administration is a shrinking of the lottery for H1Bs, the Reducing of the ability to bring your spouse and family with you if you if you get a work visa uh, in the United States, and for that reason, it's been harder to get talent to come. If you know if you can't bring your spouse, if you can't bring your kids, then why would you come live here anyway? So I would expect that we'll see a, an expansion of the work programs. I think we'll see a return to asylum. We'll turn. We'll see a return to. Um, refugee resettlement, all of those kinds of things. But the best that we could hope for in a Biden administration would be comprehensive immigration reform that tears down what we've got and rebuilds to have something where we are both safe as a nation and we are fostering smart people to come here. We are encouraging our folks to strive to be the best. But I live in Pollyanna's little teacup. So.
0: Yeah, well, but I mean, I let, I hope you let me move in with you there, because I, <laughs> I could not agree more. Uh, I think that that is, I think that's absolutely what we should be striving for and hoping for. Uh, I certainly agree that uh, a lot of the rollbacks we've seen uh, around immigration would be at least halted, if not reversed, back to prior levels, if not some expansion uh, on mm-hmm. the employment side for bringing in uh, talent, uh, and to workplaces and making it easier to find that talent and bring that talent in.
1: Yeah. If you can bring the talent to the United States, we don't have to send those jobs overseas. So yeah. that would be right. great if we would be able to do that, but I don't know if that, if that's going to happen. What about one that I'm pretty confident we disagree about? Yeah. The standard for harassment.
0: So you, so you asked me that. So I, 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 so what we disagree on, so I, I don't see a huge shift, honestly, in, in the standard of harassment. By standard of harassment, we're talking about that severe and pervasive standard that we've talked about on this podcast. Oh, so many times. And
1: from day one,
0: from day one. uh, and, And in fact, you know, if that, if that hostile work environment, severe pervasive standard goes away, we may have to rename the podcast. No, 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 no. Uh, no I it would think still no. be it would still be hostile work environment harassment, most likely. Uh, and and what I think we're talking about here is, I guess, the Supreme Court. I think we 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 remembered ourselves in a, you know in advance of talking <laughs> live that this was Harris v. Forklift Systems that I think articulated the standard uh, that has really been the federal standard that many 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 states, if not all the states, have have adopted in some way or another until more recently California started to shift the standard though i'm not sure we've been able to get a real good articulation of what that new standard is no right no so i i wouldn't be surprised if there's some push in some circles to try to make that standard a higher standard um more like you know there's the gap sorry i guess yeah a a higher higher or lower depends on on your framing on this whether that's good or bad but what i'm what i'm saying is you know the 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 legal standard for harassment is is the basement bottom of what your what your allowable conduct should be, and everybody mm-hmm. uh, well, I'm not going to say everybody, many employers, most employers, at least the ones I work with, are going to have standards in their policies that are much higher standards. So yeah. so less less bad conduct, for lack of a better way of putting it, will still lead to consequences, even if it's not illegal. What we're talking about here is do we is there going to be a push to raise that standard to something closer to what a lot of the policies we read say? I'm skeptical. I don't think that I hear that as a huge as a huge agenda item for Democrats right now. I don't know that I am hearing a lot of buzz about it. I wouldn't be opposed to it. To be clear, I just my prognosticating is that I think there's a lot of other things that would happen first.
1: Okay. well, I look at this as. 2017 and the rebirth of the Me Too movement sparked action on the state level, particularly in changing things like training. But I think it also put a big spotlight on that the system that we have doesn't necessarily work. And I draw a parallel to the amendments to the Americans with Disabilities Act in 2008, where the ADA just wasn't working because courts had so narrowly defined like, you have to be this disabled, but not so disabled that you can't work. So you had to, like, thread a needle to have a case. And in response, we got amendments that took away the Sutton versus whatever airline it was. I think it Was, like was that, that United?
0: Thing. I think it was United, yeah.
1: Yeah. Said that, you you know, being disabled is, a, you, if you claim a disability, it's almost presumpted that it, you are actually disabled. So you don't have to prove that disability to the same extent that you had to before. So I foresee some kind of analogy along that where the Congress looks at what the standard is and tries to define something that's more aligned with what happens in reality.
0: Yeah. And again, I I hope you're right. (laughs) I'm just a little skeptical that we'll see that as a legislative priority with all the other things going on and all the things that have to be undone from the last four years that they're going to try to work on, including hopefully day one. The new executive order we talked about on our last episode. Uh, yeah. around training. Which made,
1: um, which made news this week.
0: Yeah, it did. It, 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 like we talked about it. Actually pretty late we talked about it. And now it's everywhere. Now now everybody's talking about it. So we were we were the we were the thought leaders on that clearly. <laughs>
1: yeah. But the NAACP legal defense fund initiated suit this week on the basis yes. of First Amendment. Um, and it is a brilliant complaint. If anybody wants to see what a complaint should look like, uh, that is, it's really long. It's like 60 some pages long, but I skimmed
0: really it, but good. it was good. I, yeah, yeah. I, I won't, I won't claim to have read the whole thing, but I skimmed it and it, and it, I found it, I found it. I mean, I was already on their side. Right. So like, what, you yeah. know, who am I, but I found it compelling anyway.
1: Yeah. And, it and, you know, it's kind of the first, like the status of the world kind of, portion of it is a really good synopsis of where we are as a country and why it's important that we have to talk about the issues that this executive order says we can't so it's yeah. it's a very interesting read and i i think that will lay the groundwork for potentially an injunction depending on which judge they get but you know again the executive order doesn't go into effect until november 21st even though we've seen a great big chilling effect just by having it so we'll see
0: yeah. Well,
1: so, let's. So what are you going to eat on Tuesday night, Mark?
0: Oh, my God. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I don't plan this out. I, I you don't I, have I mean, an
1: election day menu.
0: No, I don't think so. I, well, so let's, let's be clear. <laughs> I have a giant wine collection of really good wine swim. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm just gonna pop those bottles open, open up one of those little plastic uh, <laughs> swimming pools, fill it with with red wine, and just bathe in it. Um, let it let through. it seep in just through the pores. Through. Uh, now that everybody has that image, thank you, Kate. You're welcome. Um, You're yeah, no, I mean, I I'll probably be be opening up uh, a bottle of something, but I'll be I I don't know I. I try not to talk too much about this, but I, I am a stats and polls junkie. I mean, I just sit there all day long, refreshing 538, reading every, every aggregator Mm -hmm. of polls and everything. And so I'm the guy who's on there with like, I've got like the big screen up with like, I don't know which channel I'll probably have this year, but probably it's the first time I guess I'm streaming. So I don't really have all the regular, Uh... like, so I, but I think I can stream MSNBC, which tends to be one Mm -hmm. of my favorites. So Uh, I think I'll probably do that and then then I have my I have like my iPad and my phone and my laptop with like (laughs) the different like county by county on the New York Times website and the 538 Mm -hmm. website and you're gonna be
1: watching that needle oh no I
0: mean I'll just be watching all of like I'll be looking for like well it's it's 11 o'clock at night and it's Florida and they're 97% what's left. What are the other three percent? Which counties <laughs> still aren't reporting hundred percent yet? So, mm. like, this is me channeling my obsessive, compulsive nature you're for in- these sorts of things. My inner nerd, my inner stat nerd, and I will—I just yeah. like sit there, following it, and and I'll need to as a way to focus my nervous energy for the night. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And you're so gonna,
1: you're gonna be the—you have your own little internal Steve Kornacki, Dave Wasserman, just kind of all—that's right, right there. That's mm-hmm. right,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I am sorry if I don't pass here. What are you having for dinner, test? <laughs> but I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a little bit like shell shock uh-huh. kind of. Yeah. But but that that begs the question: What should I be striving for? I.e., What are you having for dinner that night? Uh,
1: I think I'm going to have burgers on the grill, I mean, we are going to be back in the '60s that day. So I oh, think nice. I can get one more grill date out. But I think we we'll, ha- we'll have some cheeseburgers. I will have my big bag of Reeses some cider. Uh, uh, one of my COVID pod members will be here with my children. We'll stay up late. Uh, hopefully not too late. But, you know, this, there is a whole bunch of anxiety around. I remember exactly what I was doing in 2016. Me too. I know I don't want to do that. Um, the following morning after 2016, I got on a 7 a.m. flight to Vegas and I have never uh, behaved that way on a plane. So wow. That's mm-hmm.
0: funny. Cause I, I was up and on a plane the next morning also to go to a <laughs> chamber of commerce, uh, labor, uh, meeting in Washington, DC the morning after the election. And while uh, I was there, I don't know if you remember like 48 mm-hmm. hours after the election, Trump went to visit Obama in the white house and I was there and I have photos of his limousine going into the white house, uh, <laughs> And I remember where I was that night before, I remember walking into PDX, uh, that's the Portland airport uh, at about, you know, 7am the morning after the election. And you would have thought the whole city had just been, you know, Mm -hmm. just been demolished. You, you, Mm -hmm. everybody was just morose because I mean, Portland, you know, liberal, liberal haven Mm -hmm. it is, I I mean, and, and there's just one person and they always have this is lovely at pdx they have somebody playing the piano and Uh and they were trying to cheer people up (laughs) and we're playing the songs from like the wizard of oz and like you know ding dong the witch is dead i'm like what is like yeah so uh and and so it was like this striking dichotomy of people like no we're not we're not interested in trying to be cheered up right now thanks
1: yeah that was my first trip to vegas ever and I was sitting outside of the fountains at the Bellagio at night because I and I was my girlfriends were joining me the next day. So I was there to speak at a conference and then the girlfriends were joining me the next day. And there, I was like so sad. And this couple came up and asked me if I was OK. And I said, I don't know. And I said, well, we have a couch and we live in Ontario. I'm like,
0: oh, wow.
1: <laughs> so
0: well, Canadians you know, are so
1: nice. Couples, yeah. So, okay, well, everyone, I want you to go wear a mask. I want you to wash your hands, and I want you to vote. And hopefully we'll be able to speak to you in two weeks. I
0: certainly hope we can. That would be pretty dark if we can't. I haven't gone quite that dark with anything at this point. But, uh, wow. All right. So, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks, one way or another. And uh, hopefully we will not be morose um yeah and hopefully you all are okay with us saying that because if if you were if you truly disagreed <laughs> with our politics and view of the world you probably stopped listening to us a long time ago
1: a long time ago yeah
0: all right yep. everybody okay, be well, safe. Everybody stay safe stay positive be good we love you all